Hello, my name's James Pikeway, and this is the Nightline Podcast. If you're interested in cars, car repair, music, fitness, technology, and more, this is the podcast for you. Interested in more of what's going on at Dubai Eye? Go to DubaiEye1038.com and search out our podcasts and blogs. Want to get in touch with me? Nightline at DubaiEye1038.ae. Enjoy the show. The program you're listening to right here on Dubai I 103.8 FM is The Car Clinic. Glenn joining us Good from evening. GT Auto Center. Welcome to the program once again. Great to have you uh, back in Good here. To be back. We need we need the Foley artist. We need to have sort of the sound of a garage door going up and then... I think know, we just do one in the garage. Yeah, maybe. A maybe. Yeah. Few, few pneumatics in the background. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Oh, no. I don't. Want, I don't want to hear any of that. I'm always on an important phone call in the workshop when someone's doing that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And you know, anytime I hear that happening on on lug nuts, I go, Yeah. Been there, that, done that. Be happening. We're not in Formula One pits. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You shouldn't be doing oh, that. Man. But, uh, you know, if you've got something going on with your vehicle and maybe you've, you've been to your, your favorite garage and they've slapped you with a huge potential invoice and you're going, I don't know what all these things are, and you want to talk through some of the issues with your vehicle, this is the program to get involved with. Whether you're sitting, uh, you know, in Dubai, whether you're in Sharjah, further on the northern Emirates, whether you're over in Abu Dhabi, cars are cars are cars, yeah. whether it's 500,000 dirhams. And I, you know, I, I was talking to someone about some of these Range Rovers, 500,000 dirhams they were saying one of them was going for. Oh, yeah. And I went, really? He says, that one right there. I'm going, really? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, or, you know, the, the 12,000 dirham vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> this is mine. what we want. This is yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. Whether it's 500,000 or 12,000, the repairs are the repairs are the yep. repairs. Get in touch with us. We can help you understand what's going on. Well, Glenn can, and I'll, I'll prompt him. It's it's that simple. Hmm. So what, what's been the uh, big ticket items in the garage this week? So we've had rust. I had a car in with a rust problem. Really? Yeah. And uh, it all came from the rain we had, and they decided that... But that's pretty... The rain was... That's that not a lot of rain that to get rust. That wasn't the cause, it? Oh, okay. But we had rain, and then the panoramic roof started to leak. Uh-oh. So they decided to have a look around, uh-huh. and they cleaned in around the seals, and they just... It didn't stop what they thought was dirt coming out of it, and oh, it whoa. turned out it was rust bubbling through, so... That's a strange one. We don't really see that very yeah. often here. How old was that vehicle? Uh, six years. Okay. 2012. Mm. Probably not even quite six years old now. So it could have been just a faulty vehicle when they made it and the metal was rusting. The, the Likely that it's perhaps been caught, the bare metal perhaps wasn't properly sealed or yeah. something was caught or maybe even the seals to the panoramic roof had been changed at some point and it yeah. wasn't done properly because the, the owner of the car is the second owner. So. All right have been done in the past and that's that's a big issue that we face in our climate is you you've got rubber seals all over our vehicles and they can go and especially if you start playing with them Mm. oh man (laughs) yeah similar thing again panoramic sunroof and uh customer brought the car in saying that um he had a suspension noise i went to drive with him and i was like is that the noise he's like yeah i said that's that's the sunroof and the sunroof was creaking around. The seals had started to shrink and go hard, and everything was just free and moving and yeah. creaking around in there. So um, he was happy, uh, and obviously it meant he didn't have his suspension to fix. But, uh, but. When, he, when he found out the cost of the, the sunroof, then it changed his mind a little bit. But yeah. look, at the end of the day, there are things that we can do to, to 
try and rectify that and uh, we're in the process and, and there are things that we can do to prevent it in the future so something worth thinking about um, two lessons in in what you've just spoken about first of all if you've got a weird sound in your vehicle get your service manager into that car yeah. when you're going when you bring it in so that you they can identify where that sound might be coming from the second yeah. thing is sometimes you think you've got a sound as you just said from a suspension yeah. whereas nowhere near the suspension it's something totally different doesn't mean it's going to be any cheaper yeah but the sound could be coming from somewhere else because sound travels in our vehicles it's definitely worth getting it checked and get someone like like you said get 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 someone that, that, that can come out someone that's perhaps going to work on your car or supervise yeah. the work on your car and get them out there and say this is what i'm dealing with and, and they might say you know what you can go home it's nothing to worry about mm. or they might say okay and at least you have an idea well, and I and I always say that if you're taking your vehicle to a, a workshop and they, they can't make the time to do that, yeah. you know, then why are you making the time for them? Yeah, exactly. That's the first part of the job. Yeah. Exactly. You're gonna leave That's it right. you're gonna leave your vehicle there and then they're gonna call you, Yeah, we got these twelve things and then you pick it up and neither none of those none twelve of things what are you've complained about. Yeah, exactly so. right. So it's uh, I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's so the, the panoramic sunroofs. Yeah, we had a couple of like I say a couple of strange ones with not so strange with the noise on the on the sunroof. Um, that was something that we, I see a lot of really. Um, but tied in with the other sunroof issue, then another one linked to the rain. Although it's probably washing the car that caused more of the issue was. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the uh, bottom of the windscreen sits, oh uh, yeah, we'd call it, or I would call it a scuttle p- plate. There's a little plastic plate there that just stops the water going in uh-huh. and finishes the body off, basically. Uh, had a vehicle in that, that had cracked, and then the water was running down, and instead of following the line of the, the plastic trim and going down out the side in front and on the top of the tyres, it was dripping straight into cylinder number five. <laughs> So right on top of the coil, so we then had a misfire. And uh, yeah, that was... uh, It's not pretty at all. No. To tell a customer that they have an engine misfire because their scuttle plate is cracked and broken, that's quite a conversation. That is, yeah. You know, you've got to explain it. And uh, they're they're shaking their head going, It's one of those cosmetic things that you could probably look at and think, you know what, this car's a few years old, I don't really mind. I put a new one on it, it's going to break again because of the environment and I'm a bit rough washing it or whatever it might be. But it's actually caused a misfire in this situation. Mm. And uh, it was very uh, interesting. All these little things. It's interesting. Uh, I I was at, uh, at my own garage I had to go pick up the the nozzle for the windshield yeah. washer. So I finally went and got it after it rained. When I really <laughs> needed it, didn't have it. So I thought I'd better go get this sorted out. And we were just looking at it. And it was, again, it's a 10-year-old vehicle. So when they pulled that piece off yeah. because of the paint, it just cracked. Yeah. And it was, you know, not not hard play, nothing. It was no. just, it. You, you think about the, the liquid that's going through it that's, you know, 50 degrees at some point probably yeah. because it's sitting in the yeah, sun. Yeah, easily, yeah. And there we go. But a uh, big lesson, a uh, big purchase. Bought a cover for my uh, other Wrangler. So you got so two covers now. No, I've got two covers nice. for the summer because I thought, okay. you know what? Now that I've got the thing re- repainted, uh, maybe I can get another 10 years out of that paint yeah, job. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Why not? you got to have a try at that. Yeah. And we're, and we're going to have a little bit of a party here in the studio uh, when we hit 300,000 kilometers because I thought, you know, that's... that's <laughs> you need to figure it out that you can drive it in and park it yeah. as it just ticks over to the 300,000. I'm going to have to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so if uh, you have to park <laughs> it outside. Well, which is a whole other thing because like, we get a lot of folks who who come in, call into the show or SMS into this show and into the, the Car Talk show 
who are always talking about, well, should I keep my vehicle? Should I, you know, get rid of it now because mm-hmm. it's it's ticking over onto so many kilometers? And my wife and I were talking about that. And we said, you know, we we, we bought our cars to drive. We didn't, exactly, I didn't yeah. buy my vehicles as an investment. I didn't no. buy it with the, the thought that you know, in three years I'm going to sell it. I bought it saying I'm going to drive this thing till it can be driven no longer. Yep. And and you know I got a smile on my face every day, but it's it's interesting people looking at those kind of questions saying, well, you know how how long do you think I can drive this vehicle for? Well, maintain it. You can drive it forever. Yeah. Well, this this might take us off on a bit of a tangent, but you know. We mentioned 300,000 kilometers and driving the car, mm. right? Can can we envisage now if we move out of of, of the, the internal combustion engines, an electric vehicle doing that kind of range? Because if we're charging it every three or four hundred thousand, uh, three or four hundred kilometers, yep. and we're doing rapid charges on there and stuff like that, which we know for our mobile phones isn't great, mm. then what's going to happen with those things and are are we going to see electric vehicles do 300,000 400,000 500,000 kilometers I I can't see that I don't see it I wonder what the lifespan is of golf carts because they do some electricity yeah I mean the thing with golf carts is using a pretty standard yeah. Just in, you know, a combination of, of car batteries. And how long do those things last? And the battery's getting changed every year or two. Yeah. And then, aside from that, this how long is does it not, last? Yeah, yeah. and yeah. the rest of the stuff is pretty standard, you know, mechanical stuff. Bearings yeah. and, and yeah. steering linkages and things like that. They're, but, you know, they they do get abused sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so they do, have, they do have repairs that are necessary. But yeah. when you change the batteries on those, you might be talking 1,000 dirhams. Right. You're changing a lithium battery for a electric car we know we're going to be it's going to be more than changing an engine yeah so yeah, that, that, that's one of those things where hmm. you know if you've got a if you've got a car now love it look after it and maybe yeah. in 50 years time when yeah. the electric mistake happens they might be worth some money <laughs> exactly there you yeah. go hey, if you're wondering what you've tuned into it is the car clinic glenn joining us from gt auto center he's offering advice on your car repair, if it's making a funny noise, odd smoke coming out of it, maybe you're getting a lot of warnings from your sensors, and you're trying to figure out what is going on, please do get in touch with us. We'd love to walk you through what some of the potential issues might be. Car Clinics, the program, Dubai I 103.8 FM is the station. Glenn joining us from GT Auto Center, answering your car questions, especially when we're talking repair. And you know, an interesting roundabout question that constantly comes mm. in, because people want to know what is... You know, so what what cars do you recommend for this and mm. for at least for, and and I had someone who who said, can you just ask Glenn what car he drives? Because mm. <laughs> because they, and they did say because he's never going to tell me what vehicle he thinks has the least repairs or need you know gets the most repairs. But he says as a mechanic, he had to go out and buy a car at some point. So can you just ask him what he bought? Because I'm thinking I'm going to go that direction. So uh, what did you buy? Kia Sportage. There we go. And I would buy another one. Yeah. Uh, I can't can't say anything other than I knew maintenance, what the costs were going to be. I knew reliability, what it was going to be like. I knew repairs, what it was likely to have. Uh, quite right, I'm not going to sit here and say this car does this and this car does that, but I bought a Kia yeah. Sportage. Now, there was a part of it was economic, economics, part of it was we were expecting a baby, so we needed yeah. something with space that not only I liked, but my wife liked. 
See, key things, you know, economy, space, you, you knew what the repairs were going to be yeah. and, and the value of those repairs. So uh, there's a, one thing is to know, oh, yeah, okay, we're going to need to get uh, service intervals of, you know, A, B, C, yeah. D. But one thing I love about the Kias and the Hyundais is the, the fee for those repairs mm. is pretty easy oh, on yeah. the wallet. Yeah, yeah, really good, really, really good. And you know what, they've, uh, for me, they've, they've nailed the design of it. Yeah. It's not to say that I, had I not, being married and being expecting a baby I wouldn't have bought a Scirocco or a Golf that's not the point <laughs> I did buy a Kia Sportage and then I would buy another one tomorrow if I had the money that, that, that's, well that's now you might buy a Stinger you might buy a, a Kia Stinger I could buy a Stinger but then we're not all going to fit in it yeah that's always a problem so uh, yeah but no I, I've only ever bought one car here and it was a Kia Sportage okay yeah. another question's come in how do I decide between a battery that needs servicing and a service free battery it depends what you want to do with it now they call them service free all it means is you're unable to top up the electrolyte yeah. basically so uh, but will that that liquid even if it's sealed i mean the only way it's going to come out then is i mean it can't evaporate because it's a sealed system mm-hmm. i guess it could leak out they do have breathers on them to allow oh, okay. if it gets hot so you'll see sometimes a little tube or a little opening on the end and you might see like a uh, what almost looks like a white sort of stain around a, one end of the battery that's where the breather is and then after that they can start to boil and leak out through the terminals mm. so that's why you might end up with a, a green yeah, I had that. corroded terminal on the battery that's where the acid start to leak out okay. and corrode the copper so I would always say go for a maintenance-free one because although a maintenance-type battery means you can, in effect, top it up and check the gravity of it, you still need the right equipment to do that. So you need to know how to check and you need the tools to check the specific gravity, which tells you the electrolyte strength, basically, and you also need something that will allow you to charge it. It's, it's not as simple as just pulling off those caps and taking some, you know, uh, deionized water and pouring it through. You can do that. You can do that, but you do. You still need to know what the gravity of level of that battery is, because okay. you can pour all the water in there you want, but if the cells have started to get uh, sulfur right, okay. on them, then they're they're not going to work anymore. So you're going to have a problem beyond that. So you do need to check the battery properly, and it's more than just topping it up. It's checking the strength charging it properly and testing it properly so when we look at car batteries mm. and you know I, i've seen car batteries brand names that are you know a couple hundred dirhams and yep. i've seen car batteries that are up to a thousand dirhams mm-hmm. is is there a big difference between the less expensive and the more expensive batteries generally i can't talk from the production side because i've never been involved with it i can talk from experience and say that the more expensive batteries that would be over a thousand dirhams uh, we're talking some of the european cars perhaps the genuine ones some of them that are kept under seats and in the trunk i've seen cars six seven eight years old and we're changing the battery for the first time wow and the car is six seven eight years old and the customer really doesn't want to spend 1500 dirhams on a battery when their friends tell them who works in the next cubicle that they just changed one for 350 dirhams, yeah. right? So they'll say, let's go for a cheaper option. So we might put a cheaper option. We'll change it again in 12 months or 18 months. Yeah. Now, that's pretty standard here, and everyone accepts that. But the first one lasted seven or eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I say I can't comment on production, 
uh, but and obviously as the rest of the car ages there's different loads on charging systems and on electronics in increases in resistance through wear and age so that that will happen mm. but there's a huge difference there uh, it comes down to materials it comes down to the fact that batteries like tires like oils and other things on engines and suspension systems are sometimes and often now specifically designed for that application so that might have lasted seven years in let's say a Tuareg but if you put it in a ML350 it might last two years because mm. they're not designed for that so it, it's it's always making the right call but if people most people tend to accept 12 18 24 months max on a battery yeah. here okay uh, one that's come through just now from Paul says good evening guys I own a Ford Explorer 2009 and never missed a service Transmission slippage in third. Uh, car at uh, an alternative garage and it's been so for five weeks. Comments. Whew. Wow. So five weeks. I wonder what their update is on it. Are they are they repairing it or are you waiting for a diagnosis? It's five a long weeks. time for a diagnosis. It's I mean, be waiting for a part. It's a day and a half work to strip it down, and and if it's a if it's an issue with the clutches inside or 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 a gear or or a valve body, then that's something that can be spotted within that time. So, sounds like yeah, like you say, they're maybe waiting for a part. Or, but, but usually Ford Explorer 2009, those parts are. There's a lot of them around. They're very very yeah. easily to, and if you can't get them locally, you'd get them within a, a week or so from right. from outside. Is, is it possible, Paul? They've just forgotten that your car's there. <laughs> like I don't, I don't. Yeah. I, I know everyone's laughing, but I'm serious. Is it possible yeah. that you know you you it's been there a few weeks, you haven't called, and they've just kind of forgot that it's sitting mm. there gathering dust? I would give them a call. I mean. <laughs> I mean, at it, five weeks, I'd be tempted to have the service vehicle yeah. go, put it on the, the tow truck, and take it somewhere else. Transmission issues in all vehicles here, like we've said about everything, is, is something that happens, and it's down to the fact that people aren't quite set up and understanding of the fact that we need to maintain these mm. systems, and transmission is one of them. Uh, it doesn't help that the manufacturers stick sealed for life on some of these transmissions and people yeah. take that and without taking it with a pinch of salt they take it as as basically that's the end of it and if it breaks it breaks well i don't like that and and, and nobody in the trade does we need to maintain it the oil is under some serious serious strain here yeah. uh, transmissions are don't forget most people will sit there with it in drive with their foot on the brake while yep. they're at a traffic light there are systems in some of the more modern gearboxes which will take load off of them but still they're constantly constantly being used and abused for want of a better phrase so transmission issues are normal but they're, they're also normal so to think i mean a transmission if it's slipping in third gear i mean what from your just knowing that he had transmission transmission slippage in third mm. gear what from your experience what would that be telling you Unless I found something crazy with the oil one. Because the, so the first thing I'd do is obviously feel it, go out and experience it. And if it was, then it would be drain the oil, take a sample of the oil. If I found metal or the oil was really thick and black, then I'd say, okay, we've got an issue internally, we need to open it up. But if the oil was perhaps just a little sticky and it wasn't grey and it, it looked like the level was perhaps a little bit low, first thing I would do is change the oil, flush the oil out, put mm. some new oil in it and change the filter in the bottom. And then see how it goes. If it doesn't help or improve within a month or two, then all right, we need to go back to plan A and and open it up. But 
Now, is it? Let's just let's just play devil's advocate here for Paul. Not that so, Paul, just plug your ears for a second, and <laughs> just count to thirty, and then unplug them. Because what if they did that flush, and in the process of doing that flush of the transmission fluid, they've dislodged something and they've messed it up? Happens. Right. It does happen. The oil, the new oil, has detergent in it that will be designed to break down carbon. Mm. If the clutches have started to wear, sometimes it mobilizes it in the gearbox and it can block up. And and these valve bodies, if you've ever seen one apart, and we should really should try and bring one in, they are just they're like the overhead view of Hampton Court mates. They're mm. just crazy, really intricate, and there's some very fine oil galleries in there that if you you would easily block. So that could happen. This could be the problem. You could have an issue with the valve body. It could be the solenoid that allows it to shift into gear. It could be anything simple. So electronic yeah. testing with a diagnostic machine is also required there. But, but five weeks sounds a little odd to you. Unless they're waiting for a part that is going to save you replacing the whole gearbox and it's going to cost them a couple of dirhams, then it's a crazy time to wait for me. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'd give them a call, and if they can't give you a reasonable answer, get the tow truck and find a better garage. Yep. It's it's that simple. Yep. Car Clinic's the program. Glenn is here, and we are taking your calls. We are going to come back and talk about an alternator on a 2005 Pajero. Car Clinic is the program. Glenn Power here. We're fixing cars, or at least helping you navigate your way through the issues when it comes to some of the car repair. We had a message through about a 2009 Ford Explorer, and this was Paul, and we were talking about it, and he's come back and says, look, it's got 206,000 kilometers on it. Uh, the, he, he thinks the people he's taken it to, he calls them twice a week. He doesn't think they know what they're doing. I think you go right fetch the your money car. Pole. Get just, your car out of there. You, you, really, just yeah. get it and take it to a, you know, talk around. If, you know, talk to some of the other folks who are out there, you know, we can give you the idea of where I can tell you where I take my vehicle. I mm. trust them implicitly. Yeah. Uh, not a, a second do I doubt their ability to do that work. I, I've been over to GT Auto Center as well. Uh, there are plenty of great places. Talk talk to your friends. Find out where, where they're going, where they trust, but get your car back from there yeah. and uh, get that sorted. It's, sure. it's easy. Uh, Jurgen's come through. And he says he has a 2005 Pajero, and it has a problem starting. He says, I've changed the battery, had the alternator checked by the dealership, but it starts most of the time, but sometimes it will not start. But after a few attempts, it will start. Any ideas? It's a good one. Uh, the first thing I would do is make sure that the connections on the battery, that doesn't mean that just the ones directly on the terminals, but also the, so the earth cable would go to a ground or an earth point on the body, make sure that's clean and tight. Mm. Then could have likewise. been missed and something like yeah. that could easily be missed or sure. and it could have been that you had a problem with the battery to start with but in the removing of it and then refitting you then disturb the cable so it happens uh, then you've got to think about where the positive cable goes so you've got fuses and then most obviously likely one is the wire that goes then straight to the start motor is that corroded is that does that have a good contact and then from that you've got to you've got to start thinking about whether it's the start motor itself and uh, when you say it's not starting are we getting it cranking is it cranking slowly or is it just doing nothing when you turn the or, key or the click of that click. starter motor yeah. pushing out the solenoid yeah and but not turning happened. yeah so we these are the things we we need to think about uh start off with and they're pretty basic things you know within an hour or an hour and a half any any workshop would have been able to check those they might come back and say we've checked all of this and there's nothing we can see we need it for more time but at least you haven't gone in crazy and started changing engines when it was something simple mm. 
So you want to pay a little more attention to that. Also, when does it is this happen at a consistent time? Yeah. So is it only Give in the morning? Give all the information you've yeah. got. Is it when it's cold? Is it when it's hot? Because if it's only when it's hot or when it's cold, you have completely separate issues. Yeah. Uh, potentially, is it is it when you park it in a certain place? Any kind of information that you can think of, as as silly as you may think it is, it's going to help. Like I've had an issue like that years ago. I mean, not not this issue, but something of in in this vein where it was only doing it for me. And it used to do it pretty much at the same time. So I went and left my vehicle at the dealer, let it get nice and cold. The next day, I went back with them and I said, let me start it. And we got in, tried to start it, and it did what it did. And they, it never did that any other time I brought them to it. But it, the, the vehicle had to be cold crank. Mm. And yeah. it, it did it. Yeah, all the information you can give. goes for any fault, but this in particular as well, mm. anything you can think of. Even if you, down to the fact that it's... If you've got a passenger in the car with you or anything that you can think of, definitely, definitely give them all the info you can. Yeah, there we go. Um, another one that's come through, my door handle on the door handle on my Yaris has broken off. Is that an easy fix? Can I do it myself? Oh, man. It depends how skilled you are. Yeah. You know, that um, we, we <laughs> just heard from Paul. He said he's got a, he's got a, a Haynes manual, yeah. right? He's so ready to go. If you've got a Haynes manual, I mean, the first thing it'll tell you is, disconnect the battery because it tells you that on everything <laughs> but, but then after that <laughs> then it's you know, then, hey. and then it's after after that i mean it, it's one of those things you'll, you'll kind of get uh i think they ha- i don't know if they do it in all of them but i think they start to put the spanner rating so you know you have five star movie ratings you'd have spanner ratings for okay. level of technical ability yeah. required to do the job it's probably a two or a three hmm out of five in terms of difficulty. Is it expensive to get those parts? Probably not. You might need to paint it unless you find a second-hand one that's okay. already in your color. Um, but what you want to be careful of is that you don't break anything if it's got central locking or power windows. Oh, but what if what if they've got to open up the door? You'll have to hope open up the door, yeah. yeah you'll Good have luck to, with yeah. that. Because There's if, so, if it's everywhere. broken, something must have come yeah. off inside, right? So, oh, you know, it's just a recipe for disaster. Screws and clips. And I can guarantee you if you do it yourself or you even... Even in a workshop with all the right tools, those clips are going to break. Well, it's so brittle. So that when I got my vehicle painted, they pulled off all the fenders, and of course, all those fenders yeah. have plastic clips. Yeah. They had a big box of them, yeah, which yeah. you know, I'm looking at going, wow, where do you get a box like that? Yeah, because yeah. every time I've ever had a clip issue, they break. We have a clip supplier, yeah, and that's all he sells us clips. Yeah, because they just break all the time. There's nothing you can do about it with best intentions. And then if if you're replacing the door handle on the Yaris and you've got to open the door and you're trying to you're trying to do it without doing that and the clips have broken and something lands on something else and gets wedged and next thing yeah. you know you got a, a motor yeah. issue for yeah. your windows it's it's all a matter of competency with the mm. with the tools in your hand and if if you if you feel confident and you want to have a go at it then why not but do it safely make sure you know that if you do mess up, you've got somewhere to go for backup. We don't have a name on that one, but just go take it to a service yeah. center. Yeah. <laughs> Probably sure the easiest option. Yeah, yeah, get it done properly. Yeah. It'll be faster, and you're not going to have You don't want to get locked out of your car, or worse, locked in it. Or inevitably, you're going to be putting it on a tow truck and getting it delivered to that yeah. after you've made a mess of everything. Yeah, changing the door handle, <laughs> that won't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the electrics on half of my vehicle don't work. Yeah, what my, have I my, done? My key's inside and I'm outside. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that. Uh, <laughs> here's another one. My mechanic says my head gasket is done. What is this? And is it an immediate repair? Okay, well, your mechanic hasn't done his job or her job <laughs> because they should have told you what it was. Exactly. That what? is a shocking <laughs> well, state of affairs. But, but... but they're asking us. Yes. So this is, is what we're here this for. This is a community service. Yeah, exactly. And we're more than happy to tell you. So 
head gasket. Yeah, well, before we go on, probably because of the way they're dealing with this, you also don't want to go get your <laughs> Don't let yeah. them. They probably don't have a clue what they're that's, doing. That's what I was intimating. Yeah, <laughs> definitely right. Um, so head gasket uh, basically is a gasket, uh, which is normally steel, but sometimes not. But normally steel, and it sits between the cylinder head, which is the top half of the engine, and the cylinder block, which and is the bottom half And that's enough to seal from oil and stuff coming out. Yeah, so they have uh, two or three plates sometimes with sometimes they have rubberized sections which help them seal themselves. But there's a lot of pressure on this. Mm. The bolts are super tight, almost scarily tight when you have to undo them and you worry they're going to break. So they are very well sealed. Now, if they fail, you can get overheating because you start to lose water slowly into the cylinder. You can get water going into the oil or the other way around, but normally water into the oil, oil into the water, uh, one of each into the cylinder, uh, so they'd start to combust or try and combust. Uh, You can lose compression, so then you have a leak between cylinders, so cylinders don't fire, you have misfires. So it's a major issue, and it will cause problems. Uh, Mm. It can be catastrophic, because if it's leaking coolant, you will potentially end up with water filling up in the cylinder when you turn the engine off, and then when you try and start the car, it can bend the connecting rod on the the piston. So can be a big problem. Definitely needs to be fixed. The only way to know for sure... And, and and know exactly what the damage is is opening up the engine and then once the head gaskets failed it's likely to have warped the aluminium head and most engines now are aluminium blocks so they need to be checked for flatness and mm. checked for any cracks make sure yeah, that sounds like days of work to me it can be there, there's a lot of skilled work involved in checking those components and and uh, you're going to be without the car and sometimes you have to take the engine out of the vehicle to do the job so you're going to be without the car for four or five days yeah yeah Four or five days without the vehicle, and plus the repair. Plus the repair, which yeah. is not. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Well, hmm. but it's it's sometimes a job that everybody. It's, it's that it's that big job. Like as an apprentice, you hear about. Oh, you know, it, it starts off with timing belt, and you think, oh wow, I've just done a timing belt, and then you see the guy next to you, he's doing a, t- a head gasket, and you think, oh wow, I can't wait till I can do one of those one day. And it is that big job. You know, that's 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 the the big job and because of that it, it sticks with technicians and it kind of then filters out to customers and everyone hears that and thinks oh no because it's a it's, it is a big job and it's going to be in the thousands to repair without a shadow of a doubt and there are some times where it's been that much damage caused to the head as well that it's been cheaper to replace the whole engine with a used engine that was known to be good than to, mm. to repair the existing one so mm. All right. Well, there we go. Mm. So go get this fixed. Get it fixed straight away. Yeah. We, this is the Car Clinic. Glenn joining us from GT Auto Center. If you've wondered what you've tuned into right here on Dubai Eye 103.8 FM, we're going to come back and have a chat about Roshan's issue with his 2010 Ford, 2010 Ford Mustang. But uh, it's it's uh, the fuel overflow, and he's uh, noticing some interesting... Uh, Esther is uh, going to make sure she sends the next uh, message to the boss. Uh, <laughs> send it to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Publish it in the national yeah, newspaper. Yeah, exactly. Send it to the national. Just say, you know, it's, uh, it's, come, it's come in from... Uh, from Roshan, he's saying, uh, hi James and Glenn, good evening, this is Roshan, and I'm not sure if this is a problem. But he says, whenever I top up my car with fuel, the fuel overflows, not from the nozzle entrance, but somewhere else. It overflows somewhere over the right rear tire. 
and the car also seemingly delivers better mileage once the fuel gauge gets to half a tank. Better mileage on the second half of the tank. Uh, and, and, of course, he says he's driving that 2010 manual Mustang. Mm. He says, love the show, a huge, huge fan. There we go. That's well, the one. I'll they, print that and take it yeah. home with me. Thank you very much, Roshan. You made our night. <laughs> uh, so what do you think's going on here? I mean, for, okay, for, first of all, we're not the fuel tanks in these vehicles aren't necessarily square or rectangular boxes. No. They can have uh, a shape that allows the... the, the top or the bottom half of it to literally hold more fuel and get better economy yeah i mean the way the way the fuel tanks are designed these days it's almost an afterthought they just fix everything to the car and then they try and figure out where they can mold a tank to get some fuel to start the engine um there's a lot of stuff on cars now so it first of all it is a problem if there's fuel leaking it is a problem definitely a problem it's leaking out over front tire rear tire it doesn't matter where it is left or right over it's the, leaking it's, it's out. coming out over the overflow is what it's so doing so when you have a fuel system like that on all modern cars they what, what we used to have is basically when the tank got hot whether it was sat in the sun or from running or when it was being refilled at the station they would have just a little vent pipe on the top of the tank right. which came up next to the filler and it would vent the vapors out now we can't do that anymore because we're trying to save the planet uh, so what we do is it, instead of venting to atmosphere it vents through a, a what we would call a evaporative emissions system which basically goes through a charcoal filter it goes in, into the fuel lines when the pressure gets to a certain level uh, a valve opens which we call the purge valves and it purges that pressure and it purges mm. it into the fuel system which is at the engine at the injectors mm. So the engine will burn it, so it's not wasted and it doesn't go to atmosphere. Now, this system involves, as I said, a charcoal filter. It involves a purge valve, and, and there are other things. It could be that one of those pipes or one of those lines is cracked. So you're mm. filling it up. It's going into the tank, but the pressure is not being able to be released because the valve doesn't open, and it's cracked a pipe, and it's coming out. If it is that, how do we find that leak? Is it easy? It would be if it's a cracked pipe. Uh, and on all cars with evaporative fuel systems with diagnostic equipment specific for the car you can test that for a leak and it will basically detect the pressure in the system using the same pressure detection method it uses for the purge valve to mm -hmm. open or close and if it doesn't build any pressure then it knows there's a leak or assumes there's a leak so it will tell you no failed look for leak it could be that it's leaking out from the actual filler neck but it sounds like it's leaking from the other side of where you're filling it from. So that's not likely. So we have to think about the f evaporative fuel system and why it's it's coming out. Because then you go oh, on he, to mention he, you get better mileage on the come second back and half. He, he has come back and said, sorry, it's the left rear tire. Yeah. So you're getting better fuel economy with the second half of the tank. That might be because with less fuel in there, there's less less pressure going to build up in there because there's more space for the vapor to mm. vaporize into so it's not opening this leak and it's not causing you to basically lose raw fuel so that might explain why you're getting better mileage on the second half of the tank so it sounds to me like it's on the evaporative emission system but regardless of what i say to you definitely get a fuel leak checked out because it's very dangerous it's it, if that goes onto a hot exhaust that's that's going to be a serious issue, so definitely get it checked. Yeah, absolutely. Hot exhaust. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't even want to think about that. No. Uh, here's another one. AP here. I uh, have a Panamera. Uh, no, so a Panero. 
Maybe Pajero. Pajero? That's Pajero. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. yeah so I have, let's say Pajero 2010, well-maintained, and it drives well. Currently, I see the central displacement light on after driving for about 50 kilometers um, with the car. Uh, I switch off the car and start it. All uh, we go, but in, uh, it goes off, and then when I do 50 kilometers again, boom, it comes on. Is this a serious thing? It is if we're, uh, what I think we're talking about is the center diff, the four-wheel drive locking uh, warning mm-hmm. light. So on the Pajero, you get the little display of the four wheels yeah. and then the center 4x4. Four four. The center one is orange, the wheels normally go green. It's, a, it's an indication of what's happening with the four-wheel drive system. And there's a vacuum system on this vehicle which will operate that diff lock for the center for the four-wheel drive. When that like we've just been talking about with the pressure on the evaporative fuel system, this uses vacuum. So if that system has a vacuum leak and isn't able to maintain the hold on the position of the diff lock, it'll detect a fault and it will Mm. put the light on. You should get it checked. One of the reasons it's orange is to let you know that it does need to be checked. The wheels go green because if they're four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive, it doesn't matter. But when it's locked, it can start to wind things like differentials and... You really need to get that checked. Is uh, it serious? Probably not serious right now. But what you don't want to happen is if you put it in low range and then it won't come out. Because ah, then okay. you're going to seriously do some damage driving it. So definitely get it checked. It's normally a relatively simple fix. It could be a simple vacuum line that's damaged and cracked. And it's happened. It's 2000. It's eight years old. These, yeah. things, are, these things will start to crack. It could right. be the solenoid itself. It could be something else completely. But it, it's normally relatively simple. It's easy to diagnose. But it needs to be diagnosed. Okay. Yeah. And it is a Pajero. He's come back and uh, yep. updated us on that. So, yeah, cool. definitely go and get it checked. Yeah, for sure. Um, here we go. Uh, this this one actually... Uh, is this one... Uh, so when I... when I, uh, here, <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> when I'm in a mall, I hear a sound like stones in a hubcap, but I have no hubcaps. Any idea what might be making the clanking sound? Yeah, so if it's... It's great in malls because the the sound bounces back off the walls and it's really easy to to hear it. And uh, I sometimes it, think my vehicle sounds really good in a mall. Yeah. It's like wow. There's a lot of people that think that. There's a lot of people that think that. I don't know what the speed limits are. They're only about ten kilometers an hour. But there's some people that I think they're trying to take off. Yeah. But uh, no, if this is when you, especially if it's when you're turning. Um, this well, kind of noise. Imtishan and I had a, a similar one last night when I dropped him off at home. Someone sort of did a three-point turn in a, a Corolla, and, and similar kind of yeah. really clanking grating sound, and then it went away. And mm. we both looked at each other and went, "Yeah, that's not good." Yeah, I mean, if if it's when you're turning, which it, it, from what I suspect it is the description that you give us there, it does sound to be something like a, a CV or a constant velocity joint that goes on the drive shaft or the axle, as some people would call it. Uh, could be a matter of cleaning it up and re-greasing it, but it normally means that the bearings have started to fail beyond repair mm. and they'll need to be replaced. Joints aren't too expensive. Do Sometimes you have to replace the whole shaft. If if you're doing one side, do the other side. If it's if it is on the actual. No, I, I, normally what happens with these is the the rubber boots will fail first, then the grease will escape, and then dust and moisture gets in, and that's what damages them. So. If you haven't got a damaged boot on the other side, if everything's intact, then you should be fine. Um, so changing a, a hub bearing is a little bit easier and 
less expensive for the part. A CV joint, there's a little bit more engineering involved in the actual manufacturing of it, so they are more expensive. The labor's a little bit more involved. So I, I would just change what's damaged. Nothing going to harm anyone checking it, and, and it would be, you know, right to check it on mm. the other side but but just changing the one that's damaged isn't really an issue for this okay there we go uh, you know we, we're really running out the clock once again glenn uh mm. if if folks are listening and they're saying hey you know what we've, we've got more questions nightline at dubai i1038.ae fire us an email and we'll uh, put it at the top of the list of questions for next week in fact that's what we're going to do for Nat, who uh, wants to understand how hybrid cars work mm. and do they use less petrol, etc., we're going to throw it on the top of next week's show. We're going to start off with hybrid cars. Yeah. Give people an idea. I, I, I'm quite passionately uh, against hybrids, <laughs> so that could be an interesting hey, Matt, start. I, I was reading yesterday that Mazda might actually, with the, with their hybrid, they might be bringing back the rotary engine. Nothing wrong with the rotary engine. They, should, they, they, they were great engines, but yeah. I just don't like hybrids. Uh, Natalie, we'll put your message on the top for uh, next week's show. Yeah. And, of course, as I said, fire us an email if you've got questions you want to get onto the list. Nightline at Dubaii1038.ae. It's that simple. And we'll do it all again next week, same place, same time. You can find Glenn over at GT Auto Center. Glenn, thank you very much. Thanks. Good night.